you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 124. I had to mark my Bible, remark it. I have wonderful outlines based on over 50, over 40 years of ministry. Uh, and uh, I have wonderful sermons uh, in outline. Uh, online, there's over 1,300 sermons uh, that are available. Uh, I have done a lot of preaching in down through all of these years. And I've done a lot of teaching down through all of these years. And I've done a lot of living down through all of these years. I've had the opportunity not only to preach the Word of God, but to prove the Word of God in my own life. The Bible said not being a Lord as a pastor or a spiritual leader, not being a Lord over God's heritage, not using the office to Lord over people as some kind of uh, divine dictator. That's not the way, even though Jesus is Lord, He doesn't try to force His will on any of us. He wants us to bow to it. He wants us to receive it. Amen. Not being a Lord over God's heritage, but being an example unto the flock. Leading by example is the ideal for any kind of spiritual leader. Leading by example. So I look for more than appointings and more than anointings and more than titles in those that I would follow spiritually. I look for someone who is following Jesus Christ. And it's evident in their life that they are proving Him through their own tests and their own trials and their own setbacks and their own weaknesses. Sometimes I get angry. How many ever get angry? When I see a, wow, we've got a, we got a good audience today. We've got honest people in here. Well, how many ever get mad? I get both angry and mad. The Bible didn't say don't ever be angry. It said be angry and sin not. So we stop short of sin, or at least we should stop short of sin. Amen. There's all kinds of tests. There's all kinds of temptations that we're going to face. And except the Lord was on our side. I wonder, I, I'm going to read this because I, I just want to preach it so bad. And I didn't know I wanted to preach it till I got here. And the Lord said, that's what you're going to preach today. Amen. Psalm 124. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, and I'm sure they said it with him together. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us, and the stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we are escaped. Praise God. The trap is broken. It won't work. Satan goeth about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But the snare is broken and we are escaped. No temptation has taken you but such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you individually and personally 
He doesn't deal with us collectively. It's for all of us. But when he deals with you and your pressures, your problems that are unique to you, not only the problems are unique to you in a, in a sense, in your family, your situation, but you as an individual, God knows where you are spiritually. And God knows how to help you where you are. He doesn't want you to come up somewhere where He can help you. It'd be like, you know, if you, if you fell off a cliff and you, you landed on a, a smaller cliff below and someone's up above and said, if you climb on back up here, I'll help you. Well, you don't need somebody to tell you to climb back up where you can't get to to get help. You need somebody to help you where you are. You need someone to throw you a rope. Can you say amen? Well, that's what David was talking about when he said, He lifted me from the miry clay. I couldn't get out of that. You know, there's places a four by four just can't go. Amen? It doesn't matter how big your monster truck is, how powerful it is. There are places where it sinks down. I worked for Tampa Electric for almost six years uh, before I was bivocational uh, for a while. And then I went into full-time ministry, but I worked for them for six years. And I had a four-wheel drive vehicle. And uh, my foreman told me, I want you to take it from this point to that point. And it was a swampy area. And I said, well, I don't know if I can make it from this point to that point. He said, well, son, he said, just put it in granny low and floorboard it. Now, there is, there's a low gear, for, but there's a granny low. And a granny low is low as she'll go. And the wheels will keep turning. And by the way, the wheels never did stop turning. Even while I sank about halfway across, the wheels, granny low, was still turning. But it doesn't matter when you're sinking. Amen. I was sinking down. But fortunately, there was a winch on the front of the truck that was on the other side of where I was trying to get to that made it through. By the way, I felt real bad about the truck sinking. I don't know why I felt bad. All you can do is put it in Granny Low and floorboard it. Amen. That's what I do when I go through my problems. I put her in Granny Low and floorboard it. But sometimes I sink anyway. Sometimes I just sink up in the clay and I can't get out of it. I can't pull myself out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you with something this morning because you hear all kinds of messages on faith. You probably think you know it all. But I want to challenge you to rethink faith. You prayed about perspective when you're giving. We need to give with the right perspective. We need to develop our faith with the right perspective so you're not disappointed and you're not disillusioned, and you're not distressed, and you're never in despair, and you're not discouraged because you prayed in faith, and, and it didn't happen like you thought it was going to happen because you've heard it a particular way, and you think, if I just build my faith strong enough, things are just going to be the way that I say they are because what I say is going to happen like I say it because I'm full of faith. <laughs> Grow up. It don't even work that way for the people who teach faith so strongly. In their personal life, you'll hear personal testimonies. I heard one man who is a, he's a, just a, one of the paramount faith teachers. And he said, I would have went under completely if it wasn't for my mother-in-law's prayers interceding for me. He said, I walked out on the platform. And when I did, and his name is, is Kenneth Copeland, it's his testimony. He's one of the faith 
faith, he faith. Faith is faith teachers you can get around. Name it, claim it, word person. I'm not saying pro or con. I'm just saying that he has troubles too. See, everybody that walks out on a platform under the anointing with the word of God makes it sound sometimes like it's uh, just this, this idea. If I build my faith up, uh, God's just going to do everything I say and everything's going to smooth out. Well, everything don't smooth out. And God's not going to do what you say. Just because you say it in faith. I, don't, I never did anything my children just said because they, they said it in faith. You can say it all day long in faith, but you've got to discover the will of God. You've got to bow before you believe. And if you bow, you're going to discover the will of God. And if you discover the will of God, then you can believe Him because this is the confidence, the real faith that we have in Him. If we ask anything according... To what we want. No, according to His will. Well, why wouldn't He will what I want if He loves me? Well, that's not the way love works. Amen. My son probably would have loved to have had a 12-gauge shotgun when he was seven. I wouldn't give him a 12-gauge shotgun when he was seven. pastor told of living on a farm and always wanted to shoot his daddy's 12-gauge. His daddy went off into town to pick up supplies. He went under the bed, got the 12-gauge. You can't hide it from kids. You need to do better than that. Can you say, man, with Christmas and with shotguns? And he, yeah, I found mine in the attic. Nobody had to tell me. I, I, I found my Christmas in the attic. And I said, Lord, have mercy. I thought he brought it down the chimney. He stores it in the attic till Christmas. I still believe in Santa Claus. My mama told me if you don't believe in Santa Claus, when I questioned her, all you're going to get is a lump of coal. <laughs> so I believed in Santa Claus till I was 16 years old. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I was just 15. Anyway, moving right along. So he got under the bed and he got the 12-gauge pump shotgun and he, he brought it outside and he looked for something to kill, something to shoot. And up on the side of the barn, right where it comes down, right, the, right comes down to the end, he looked at the corner of the barn and there was a big old spider up there, a big old spider web, big old spider. And he thought, I'm going to kill that spider. Now I'm going to tell you something about killing spiders. You need to kill them, but not because they're mean or, you know, they're, some of them eat roaches and and, but if I got a choice between a roach and a spider, the spider's going down. <laughs> Amen. I just, some of my people can't stand roaches. I can't stand spiders. So he, he, he zeroed in on it. Of course, it knocked him to the ground when he fired, but it did something else too. It knocked the, the corner of the wood on the barn off. He blew the corner of that old wood on that old barn and blew it off. And he knew that he had some splaining to do when his daddy got home. Now, that was before Dr. Spock. And I'm not talking about the Star Trek guy. Amen. That's the guy that wrote the book on how to raise your children. He didn't read that book yet. I, I, I would have bought it for my daddy if I thought it would have helped. But I don't think it would have. Can you say amen? No, he didn't read that book. He said, I got, I got, <laughs> he said, I got a whooping. There's a, there's a whipping and there's a whooping. And the whooping is worse than the whipping, I'll tell you right now. Amen. Because anybody that pronounces this whooping, they know how to do it. 
You don't give a kid. That's why daddy didn't give it to him. That's why he didn't give him what he wanted. That's why you have to grow up in God to pray according to his will. Because it doesn't start with believing. It starts with bowing. The pattern prayer starts like this. Our Father, yes, you have authority and privilege beyond anything we could possibly imagine. Angels still haven't figured out, amen, the kind of love that God's loved us with. It's very clear that, they are, they, that, that there is a time in heaven where there is a silence where angels are going to have to just back up and they're not going to be able to sing their high praises because this is... For the redeemed, it's the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Can you say, man, the only people that can sing about that deliverance and the person who brought it are those that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And they sang, not the angels. They can't join in. The angels can't sing Amazing Grace, the ones that stayed in heaven, because grace hasn't been given them, but grace has been granted us. What manner of love is this, that we might be called what? Old sinners saved by grace. We were old sinners. We have been saved by grace. But now we are the sons of God. Hallelujah. And so we express our sonship by calling Him our Father, which art in heaven. Not the force, but the Father. It's paternal. It's personal. It's intimate. It's truthful. And He said when you begin your prayer, begin it with our Father, which art in heaven. And before you confess anything else, and before you petition anything else, before you say another word, hallowed be thy name. You bow. You bow. And what happens when you're bowed? Thy kingdom come. Whose will be done? Thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven. And after you acquiesce to His will. And that's the only way you're ever going to discover it. You'll never discover the will of God. Trying to get God to do what you believe the will of God is. It only comes with full surrender. Full surrender. Full surrender. How many, you, you know, some people wanted, they wanted a, a, a mate so bad. They just... Well, what they did, they married a personality, and they have to live with a character. Amen? You better get to know someone before you... I got to... Lord, I want that, that one. Well, what if it's not His will? Well, I want that one. There's a little kid in Kmart that want it. In Walmart. I want it. I want it. And it's going to be up to who? To decide whether the child gets it, whether it's good for. If it's good for the child and a loving parent wants to bless the children. But if it's not good for the child. It's going to give the child nightmares. You're going to get the child in trouble with the teacher. You just don't give it to the child because the child wants it. That's not love. We've got a generation of people today taught whatever you want. Just visualize it. Confess it by faith. Blab it, grab it, name it, claim it. Where's the bowing? Where's the bowing to a holy God? Where's the acquiescence to His will? Where's the Lordship of Jesus Christ? 
You can't have everything you want, but you can have everything He wills for you. And if we ask anything in faith, believe it. No, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know that we have the petition. That's no-so faith. Everybody say, no-so faith. Praise God. If God called me to preach in Tampa, and I decided I, I could serve God better if I preach in Africa. I'm going to Africa. There's a pastor that listens to our radio broadcast from Africa, has invited me to Africa. There's another pastor in Africa, one in Kenya and one somewhere else. They both invited me to Africa. There was a pastor invited me to come and preach in India. And I told him, I said, listen, I'm not, I'm not a major preacher. I'm not some televangelist with a name. I'm not saying it in a derogatory. I'm just saying I am not well known. You know, who's going to come hear me when they've never heard of me? And I love his answer. I love his answer. He said, oh, Brother Venable. He said, it is not your name that will draw them. It is the name of Jesus Christ. If you come and preach Jesus Christ, they will come and they will hear. And I appreciated that. It's not your name. It's His name. Oh, no wonder there's revival in certain places because it's not the name preacher. It's the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That is doing the mighty work when it's proclaimed in faith believing. Listen carefully. Amen. The shield of faith that we talked about earlier. The shield of faith is not a force within you. We had one amen, some holy murmurs, and some wild looks. I know that's what you've been taught. And I know that's what you're trying to build up. And I know you're not doing too well doing that because it's not correct. You're not going to get everything you want. Don't matter how much you confess. It don't matter if you put 800 scriptures on your refrigerator and go through them every day. Now, faith does come by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. But before believing comes bowing. Jesus said, in the volume of the book it is written, I came to do Thy will, O God. The words that I speak are not mine. But what I hear my Father say. The works that I do are not mine. But what I see, my Father do. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. A man came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, a centurion. He had fought in battles for Rome. He had spilled blood as a soldier. And he said, I got a servant that I love like a son. And he said, listen. He said, he said, I need you. To heal him. He's going to die if there's not intervention. And Jesus said, I will come to your house. And I will heal him. And the centurion said, I'm not worthy that you should come, that, that, I, that you should step under the roof of my house. But I am a man... Under authority, a centurion had 100 men under him. And he said, and I tell them to go, and they go. 
And I tell them to come, and they come. And he said, you don't have to physically come to my house. Holy as you are. Speak the word only. And my servant shall be healed. I'm a man. See, he knew how, he knew how authority works. I'm a man under authority and I've got power. Because I'm under authority, I have authority. And I wouldn't have that authority if I wasn't under authority. Can you say, man? When we hear messages on the believer's authority, it's almost like we've got a carte blanche. We've got a, we've got a blank check and we just fill it in for anything we desire. And it can pull you to the world's value system if you're not careful. And it's a kind of faith that makes you independent from God and over-dependent on your faith instead of His faithfulness. If your faith is in your faith, what happens when your faith wavers? If your faith is in your faith, what happens when your faith wavers? Well, my faith is never going to waver. That's pride. That's independence from God. I know there's people that want to have their way and use faith as the, as the instrument in their life to get what they want. If you don't come under His authority, you will never discover His will. If you don't discover His will, you can't pray in confidence. But if you ask anything according to His will. If God told me to go to Africa and I sold everything I had, it wouldn't amount to, uh, to enough to make a ticket. Time I paid off the bills that I owe. <laughs> I couldn't get to Africa if I sold everything I had. Except God work a miracle. But whatever there was lacking to get me to Africa, if it's His will for me to be there, see, you've got to know the will of God before you talk to a mountain. It don't move just because you tell it to. It moves because God wills it to move. And you discover the will of God. And it's in the way of the will of God. And if you say to this mountain, surrender to the will of God, in the will of God, <laughs> and the mountain's in the way of the will of God, be thou removed! You'll have what you say because it's what He wills. But you can't just do it arbitrarily. He's not going to hand over all of this power to people who are not under authority. Centurion didn't start out by saying, I have authority. He started saying why he had authority. I'm a man under authority. And that's why I have authority. Anybody been in the military? How do you go up in rank? Do you do it by doing your thing or doing what somebody over you is telling you to do? If, if you go up in the ranks, you've got to be under authority. You can't be like these crazy people out here wanting to do their own thing. A friend of mine, we got out of high school together. I was married before I got out of high school. I wanted in the service. I couldn't make a living, hardly. And I wanted to join the United States Air Force. I went down to the recruiter and, and tried to join the Air Force. They said, are you single? I said, no, I'm married. I said, well, you have any kids? I said, yeah, I got one. <laughs> I, I, that's before I was out of high school. I had, I've been married a long time. <laughs> I told you. And the United States Air Force, right in the middle of the Vietnam conflict, said, we don't want you. 
I could have went down to the Army. Air Force, if you joined, was two years. I wanted to get it over with, get back to my family. So I went to the United States Army. They said, you can join the Army. They needed people so bad even with a child. But you've got to sign up for four years. I thought, come and get me then. Just come and get me. I'm, I'll go, but just come and get me. Well, they, every six months, I got a letter from the draft board said, are you still married? Yes. Do you have any dependents? Yes. My wife and my son. Okay? They still didn't want me. And I mean, they were taking people. They got desperate when down near the end of the conflict. And I, I would have went. I was ready to go. I wanted to go. I just wanted to go two years instead of four years. But a friend of mine, he got out. And he wanted to join the United States Marines because he liked the uniform. He said, you join the Air Force? Look at that uniform. Chicks ain't going to dig that uniform. If you want to be a chick magnet, you wear, you wear that Marine uniform. Chicks are going to dig you in a... Do you ever seen a Marine uniform? you got to look at it. You'll dig it, I guarantee you. That man is looking sharp. He joined the United States Marines. I knew his mama and his daddy. They sent him to Paris Island. He got up there and got basic training. And they were pushing them hard because they were going to put them over there and put them in the jungle. They were pushing them guys hard. He wasn't scared of going to Vietnam, but Paris Island got him. <laughs> it was the preparation for Vietnam. <laughs> he said, he wrote his mama. He said, Mama, I have made a big mistake. <laughs> he said, Mama, can you write our congressman? <laughs> Tell him that I have nerve problems. She said he didn't have no nerve problems till he got to Paris Island. <laughs> You don't get in this thing. Just wear the uniform. You get in this. Amen. Because what? You were, yeah, I was Poe. I was looking for somebody to help me raise my baby. And I thought if... <laughs> Listen, you get in it not to wear the uniform. You get in it to fight and to win the battle. And you get in it to not get into a message that will make you independent from God, but more dependent on God. The more your faith grows, the more dependent you are on God, not on yourself and your faith, but Him and His faithfulness. Above all, taking the shield of faith, I want to read it to you correctly in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You're right. You put it on our website. Amen. The, the, the people who are losing the battles, stop right there. We wrestle not. We don't know how to overcome the enemy or our flesh. And we do not fight the good fight. And we lose the battle by default. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places and the rulers of the darkness of this world. Wherefore, since you're against a spiritual enemy that is well unified, take ye. 
the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand, having done all to stand. Done all is actually in the Greek, having overcome all, past tense. You don't go out in this fight to see if you can win. You go out to demonstrate a victory that's already won. Can you say man? Can you say man? If you're still seeing if you can win, you're not convinced that what Jesus did at the cross has already defeated your foe. Oh, not in the, in his lies and his deceptions and all the things that he will array against you. But all of this armor is not power against power. How many recognize this theme song? You're young. You probably don't get it. Way before Sanjay and Craig, the snake and the Indian boy. Amen. Way before Sponge... Bob Squarepants. There was Bugs Bunny and Yosemite Sam and Elmer Fudd. And in those cartoons, there would be on one side, there would be a devil saying, do it. And on the other side, there's a little angel with the halo saying, don't do it. And then they're, they're back and forth. They're back and forth. And it's, a, it's like a tug of war between the two. I'm going to tell you something about the devil and your Lord, and your ma- there's no tug of war. There's no tug of war. There's no tug of war. There is no tug of war. When he sent those apostles out and those disciples out, and they discovered they had power over demons through his name, only through his name, not intrinsic to them, but through the authority of his name, whatever you ask the Father in my name, can you say, man? Oh, not your name. Come on, his name has the authority vested in it. And they come back rejoicing that demons were subject to them through his name. And he said, don't rejoice that demons are subject to you rejoice rather that your name is written in heaven that's the reason for joy that's the reason for rejoicing can you say man listen to me carefully he said the reason you can't rejoice is because the enemy that you're fighting was defeated already in heaven and through my name he can be defeated upon the earth can you say man hallelujah there was no tug of war there was war in heaven but it was the shortest war that has ever been fought i beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Can you say man? Hallelujah. He is a fallen angel and Christ has all authority over him. So when we talk about the authority of the believer, it's the authority to use his name. That's why they said when the lame man was healed, they didn't talk about their faith and their anointing and their gifts. By what authority did you do this? They said, why look at us? As by our power, our power, power of our faith, the power of the Holy Spirit. No, he said, why look at us as if by our power or our holiness this man stands before you whole. It's not our holiness or our power. He said, do you remember the man that you put on the tree? Whom God hath raised from the dead. 
through faith in His name. This man, oh, not our power, but the power and authority of His name. Can you say, man? This man has His perfect soundness before you all. Glory to God. You need to, come on, we need to get off this power trip. This power kick. Power to get what I want. To stomp my foot like a spoiled child and get what I want. Instead of to get what he wills. Jesus prayed in the garden, nevertheless. Not what I will. But what you will be done. And something occurred. Angels came. Angels. See, when you say, thy will be done. Whatever you need to achieve His will and to accept His will, God will grant to you all the resources of heaven are yours when we acquiesce to God. But this idea of, this idea, I've said this before, I've got to say it in closing. We've got to hurry and close. Peter, poor, pitiful Peter. Impetuous Peter. Peter gives me courage. If God could straighten him out, establish him and use him, there's hope for me and you. I love and respect Paul. But I just want to hug Peter's neck. Because he blew it on so many occasions and grace covered him. And grace lifted him up. And he became a stalwart Rock steady follower of Jesus Christ. But you know what Jesus told him? He said, when you were young, that meant headstrong and self-willed because that's in every young person. And uh, headstrong and self-willed, that was me when I was young. How old are you? Okay, you're learning. (laughs) He's already learned. But what about when you were 16, 17, 18, 19? No wonder the military wants you when you're 18. Amen. You know why they want you? Because you get a man like me. You put me out there. I put the gun up here and my head down. You put a... Yeah, I'm going to put my head down and put the gun up here. Are you shooting at them? I, I, just, I, just, I, I just emptied a clip on them. Well, you can't see where you're shooting. Don't make no difference. I ain't putting my head up. 18-year-old, that's why insurance companies don't want to insure you. You'll take that curve at 72 miles an hour that says slow down to 45 because you think ain't nothing going to happen to me. Amen? It's that attitude. You, you, you haven't faced your mortality yet. But as you age, you'll come to a place you realize that you're not immortal. Even if you're drinking, you're not 8 foot tall and bulletproof. Can you say amen? You figure it out after a while. And we get out of this prideful, headstrong, self-sufficient, independent attitude. And that was Peter before he failed and grace lifted him up. And Peter said, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, when you were young, you girded yourself. And you went where you wanted to. You were an independent commercial fisherman. And you didn't answer to nobody. You did whatever you chose to do. 
But now that you've come to know me when thou art old, er, others shall gird thee and take thee where you wouldn't choose if you had the choice to make. Bible history said when he was crucified, this bumbling, fumbling, failing man, when he was crucified, this is not Bible history. It's just come down through other sources. It is said that Peter said, I'm not worthy to be crucified as my Lord. Invert my cross. One thing is for sure, he died a martyr's death. And Jesus told him that's what was going to happen before he started his ministry. And if he was of the attitude today, if he was looking to have that mansion on the hill and have that Bentley to drive and prove his faith by the abundance of things he possessed. You see, here's the problem, taking things out of context. Jesus said the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. When people see abundantly, they go ka-ching. Because we have a worldview. We don't see the kingdom there. We see what the world sees. Abundance is that house on the hill in that Bentley. But Jesus said this words to put that in context. A man's life, seek ye the kingdom of God. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. So the abundant life can't be based on a mansion on a hill, the kind of car you drive or watch that you wear. It's, you've got to understand what you have in Christ. We brought nothing into this world. Newsflash, we can take nothing out. But godliness with contentment is great gain. That's the true riches. When you know what you have in Jesus, and if you got food and raiment, there and Christ, therewith be content. Here's that defender thing again. For he hath said, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you, that we might boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. You can't buy that peace, that assurance, that confidence with all the gold and silver of the world. In fact, if you are a very rich person, you better have a big entourage. You better have armed bodyguards. Because somebody would love to kidnap you or one of your children and get your money. Amen. Amen. See, I don't have to worry. Well, I worry a little bit. I don't like any dings in any kind of car, but... If I had a Bentley, I wouldn't park it in the Walmart parking lot. I've seen buggies loose, rolling like they had motors on them. And they don't care if you've got a Maserati parked out there. <laughs> Amen. I've seen Publix ones do the same thing. Where do you park the thing? Man said he bought new wheels. He told me that I worked with. He put all his money into wheels for his car. He had wheels that cost what fifteen hundred dollars a piece on his truck. Fifteen hundred dollars a piece. I pay that for the truck, <laughs> not for the wheels. 
you gave me the truck. I couldn't buy tires for it. And he said, the first night I got it home, I sat up all night watching my truck because I was afraid somebody would steal my wheels. And he bought a pit bull and he tied him to the bumper of his truck. No peace. <laughs> you got a nice truck, but you ain't got no pit bull tied to the thing. Okay. So they might steal it anyway. They, they give you pit bull a hamburger while they're eating a hamburger. They steal your truck. <laughs> he had a pit bull named Chocolate. Big old head on him that wide. My Lord. That's a big dog. I went to the door, man. I thought they don't need no protection. They don't need no, you know, the little sign in the yard that says protected by. Then you just look in the door and see that big old thing looking at you and say, We went in, boy, that sweetest dog. Sit down and eat with y'all. That old dog come down and laid down under the table so we could rub his belly. <laughs> oh, chocolate. What a good boy he was. See, when the world sees abundance and when preachers that have a worldview see abundance, they see things. They prove their faith by how many things they have accumulated. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. I'll take care of your needs. In fact, I will give you, you don't take any thought. How can you not take thought when you dwell on that 24 hours? Don't have any joy. You don't have any peace. But boy, I got that. I got that range. I, I got that. I got that new kitchen that I wanted. No joy and no peace. No joy and no peace. But I got some stuff. I know a preacher. Because I'm affiliated with all pro pastors, which is ministers to preachers in Africa and here and and it's a ministry to ministers. And this one minister came into it, and he was, you have to get honest. We require honesty. And uh, even out of preachers, we, re- we require people be men. We leave their titles. There's no apostles that meet. There's no prophets that meet. There's no, the most reverend. When they introduced me, they got it wrong. They showed a slide when I was going to speak one, one morning at, at a church to about 70 preachers. And, and they, had a, they said, and now, they introduced me, brother. They said, and now, Pastor Venable from the Most Holy Church of God in Tampa. And I thought, wait, wait, wait. And I thought, wait. I said, please wait. I said, we're not the Most Holy Church of God. Our name is the Holy Church of God. In fact, we're still working on holy. Can you say, man? Hard on it. Got to drop the titles. So he pastors a huge church and he has a huge parsonage. And he said they had just built it for him. And they had the complete, you know, stainless steel kitchen and the and the granite or whatever sinks and and the, everything was brand spanking new and he and his wife both of them were so busy he said we've been in our new home for a year and we're so busy and we get home at different times of night and we my wife has not cooked one meal in that kitchen in a year And you know what our message, all of us, is to Him? 
you better cook something in that kitchen. You better try to spend some time together. You can't run on your anointing in your relationship with your spouse. You can't be an example to the flock if your marriage goes on the rocks. It's hard to get honesty. It's hard to get people that are off track back on track. It's a slippery slope. I tell people this all the time. Jesus is walking the water. The storm is on. He tells them to go to the other side. They know the will of God is for them to be there. But the storm is blowing. And Jesus said, I'll I'll meet you on the other side. Well, they didn't know how he was going to get there. They'd learned enough to say, if he says it, we'll just go over there and see how he gets there, see if he's there. Storm hits him. If you're in the will of God, expect a storm. Every time the apostles were on the water, a storm threatened to sink him. When Paul went to do his preaching, a great storm came upon him when he got on the water. Storms come when you're in the will of God. And you've got to be able to interpret the difference between the devil fighting you through a storm and God telling you it's not His will. Once you discover His will, you can get through any storm. Praise God. And Peter sees what he thinks is an apparition. Here's a man serenely and calmly walking on storm-tossed waves and winds. And he thought he saw an apparition because this can't be true. But not only does it look like a real man, but it looks like someone I know. It looks like Jesus. Every time the lightning flashed, you could see his face. It looks like Jesus. It looks like Jesus. If you got it, there's no need hollering at me, calling them to me. If you got it under control, if you and your faith have it under control, there's no need you hollering at me to help you. But if you acknowledge you don't have it under control, and you need my help really bad, then you'll get it from me. You've got to be careful of a faith message that makes you independent from God instead of more dependent on God. It's a subversive message. There's a subtle difference, but there's a vast, vast difference between faith in your faith and faith in His faithfulness. Amen? So, Peter, impetuous, he said, Is that you, Jesus? If it's you, bid me come to you. And of course, if you you want to, if you want to, if you want to, you know, if you want to act on your faith, fine. Come on. Come on, Jesus said. Come. One word. And Peter, impetuous, he jumps out of the boat. And he starts walking on the water. And guess what happens? He, the wind got worse and the waves got higher. And he began to sink. Now, I'm going to submit something to you. You probably aren't going to like it, but I'm not here for you to like everything I say, but to listen to it and test it with Scripture. I do not believe 
that Jesus intended for him by his faith without his help to walk on the water. Because the people who preach that have never walked on water in their life. And if there's anybody here bought into that, we're not far from Tampa Bay. Uh, Lake Magdalene's right over here. The canal's right back here. Come on, after church. No, well, I got all the faith. Well, come on, let's go down the canal. See, I'm from Kentucky. On the other side of the river was Ohio. And an Ohio boy was hollering at a Kentucky boy, as the story goes, because they like to get us Kentucky people. And he hollers at him and says, Come on over here. We'll go hunting together. We'll go fishing together. Come on over here. It's a narrow place of the river. Kentucky boy said, I can't. I can't swim. He had a big old five-cell flashlight. He shined it across the water and said, Just walk the beam of this flashlight. Come on over here. Kentucky boy said, you ain't fooling me. I'll get halfway across and you'll turn it off. (laughs) You can't fool all us Kentucky boys. You're a Kentucky boy too. You know we we don't fall for that. He turned that flashlight off. We'll sink. Folks, I'm going to tell you, if you can develop a faith where you don't need God's help, if you can build your faith to such a force within you that you can handle it, my Bible said he would have passed them by. If you got it, you don't need my help. Well, I'm going to confess up front before we even leave the dock, I don't have it. I don't have it. I do not have it. My help, some trust in horses, some in chariots, but, but our trust is in the name of the Lord our God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No, you don't try to build your faith. See, here's the message. The message is if he had just stayed focused on the Word, or if he just kept his eyes on Jesus. Listen, amen. You, a friend of mine, looking to Jesus as the author and the finisher, the beginning, and the completer of your faith. The day you started this journey, journey, it was Jesus. It was Jesus as your Savior. Jesus as your Sovereign. Jesus, hallelujah. And when you finish up the journey, you're going to be crying, it was Jesus that got me here. It's Jesus that got me through. It's Jesus that lifted me up. Peter learned a great lesson. When he began to sink, he cried out, he didn't have a, a confession of faith. He had a, a, a cry of trust. Can you say, man, Lord, save me. And that's what God wanted to hear. That's why Paul went through trials. Hallelujah. That's why he went through tests. But when he was weak and cried out to God, then the real strength came. Can you say, man? Woo! And immediately... Immediately, 
Somehow that distance between Peter sinking and Jesus out there, immediately Jesus closed the gap in reaching down and lifting him up. I need you. Come on. Me and me and who you want to be, Peter or Jesus? You pick. Okay. You be Jesus, I'll be Peter. <laughs> together. Together. This is how faith is supposed to work. You're not supposed to develop a faith that makes you independent from Him. You're supposed to develop a faith that makes you ultra-dependent on Him. Can you say amen? Together, after He lifted Him up, after He sank and cried out, Together, lead me back to the safety. Hallelujah. Together. (laughs) I can do all things. I can do all things. I can do all things through my great faith. Oh, through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Can you say, man? Peter never forgot it. He never leaned on himself. He was impetuous in that upper room and said, I'll never deny you. But he did deny him and he failed. But God lifted him up then too by grace and mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the shield of faith. I think David defined it best in the Psalms. Thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. Thou, Thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. You're my glory and you're the lifter of my head. He called him my shield and my buckler. My shield initially is that big shield. But the buckler was a small, they called it a target. It was a shield that buckled to your forearm. That meant even if the big shield got in the way of you using your sword... And you've already been shielded from the arrows and the fiery darts. And now you're in up close hand-to-hand combat. So that you can use your sword. You just put the big shield down. And you take your sword and the buckler. The target shield that's right here on your forearm. There's another shield. And it's for up close and personal fighting. And since your enemy is going to get up close and personal with you. You need a shield and a buckler. Can you say man? And why are you able to depend on that buckler being smaller than the big shield? Because you've got something in your other hand. The sword of the Spirit. The shield is defensive, but the sword is offensive. And God is my shield. And God is my buckler. So it is my faith in His faithfulness that constitutes the shield of faith. And this idea of this force within you. See, Jesus will just pass you by. You got it together. You handle it. 
You make it happen. And when things begin to occur, guess who gets the glory? My faith. No, it's my God. Because apart from Him, we're helpless and we're hopeless. So I hope that $325 tape set or disc set that you got at home. A guy the other day was on television and he said he had this thing that we all love to be in control. You know how we love to be in control, to have everything our way like Burger King. He had a tape set. Cost $300, I think. Making him rich. And the tape setter, then it wasn't tapes, now it's disc. How to chart your own course. In other words, just build the faith, the force within you, and you can have anything you want. Anything come, anything you want, God just up there waiting for you to show him faith so he can just grant it to you. How to chart your own course. And I was looking at that, and I happened to be reading in my Bible, the book of Isaiah, I believe it was, and I just got through reading. It's not in man that walketh to direct his own way. Now here's a tape set on how to do it by building your faith to get what you want. And here's the Scripture saying it's not in you to choose your own way. That's why he's called himself a shepherd and your sheep. And I hate to tell you this about sheep. You know why? You know, there's lone wolves. There's lone cattle out there in the middle of somewhere. But you're not going to find a lone sheep. Because if he's alone for long, a predator's going to take him. Or he's going to wander off and starve to death and fall off a cliff or fall in the water. Sheep have to have a shepherd. And God has designed his kingdom that he is so necessary to our life. And the stronger our faith grows, the more dependent we become on him. And it honors him. Do you remember Six Gun Territory? Remember that up near Silver Springs when they reenacted actual gunfights? And that's when gun smoke was still on and Pelican, I used to call him Pelican. Paladin, the have gun will travel. I called him Pelican, but, you know, I was young. But then I grew up, and I took my son and my daddy and my wife, and we went to six-gun territory. My son didn't know what was going to happen. I knew there was going to be a mock gunfire. I saw I, we were in the area that it was going to happen at 12 p.m. There's going to be a bank robbery and a gunfight. They had blanks and there's a shotgun guy. I mean, when those things start going off, it's loud. And all the time we were there, my son that I took and wanted to be a hero to, he was hanging out with his granddaddy because he knew he'd buy him all the ice cream he could hold. And he's done hung out for the first half of it with his granddaddy. And he's walking way in front of us with his granddaddy. And I'm kind of saying... You know, I want my son to see me as his hero. I brought him here. I paid his way and granddaddy's way. And I'd like my son to come back and enjoy this with me. Well, the gunfight started. And they were way in front of us. And I mean, the gun started going off and my son is about five years old. 
and he's holding his granddaddy's hand. And granddaddy's just, you know, looking like, what, what's going on? And he's looking. He thought it was real. My son is real to my son. He's, this is real. This is really happening. Pow, pow, boom, pow. Double bear shotgun, boom, pow. And people, oh, the noise was deafening. My son looked back at me. And I thought, he's scared. <laughs> oh, he's scared. And he's looking for daddy. Yeah, he's looking for daddy. And he dropped his grandpa's hand. And he come running to me. And he got about two feet from me. And he jumped up in my arms. And I closed my arms around him. And he buried his nose right in here. <laughs> uh, oh, man. That's what I'm talking about. That's why God honors that kind of faith. Because that kind of faith honors God. Can you say, man, I have a Father in heaven. I don't have a force up there somewhere. I have a Father in heaven. Hallelujah. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it. And they are saved. We're not running from the devil. We're running to God when he attacks. Can you say, man, hallelujah. Somebody stand up and give him praise today. Hallelujah. 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 So God says, I will defend you. I will protect you. Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Our help, verse 8 says, is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Hallelujah. And the next psalm just carries it through. Psalm 125, 1, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about His people from henceforth even forever. Hallelujah. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous be put forth their hands unto iniquity. Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and to them that are upright in their hearts. As for such that turn aside from their crooked ways, turn aside unto their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity, but peace shall be upon Israel. When they were right with God, you could not defeat them. You could not destroy them. Can you say man? Hallelujah. How many want the kind of faith that begins with bowing and then believing? I believe God wants us to see His glory. I believe He wants to answer prayer like never before. I believe He wants the sound of victory and joy to start emanating from His church and His people once again. But we need to bow before Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our Father which art in heaven, look at the bow. Hallelujah. And when you're bowed and surrendered, what is the next words? Hallowed be thy name. What is the next word? The next word is not petition. It's not naming. It's not claiming. It is acquiescing. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. The kingdom is the rule or the domain of a king. Where a king rules in unquestioned 
undisputed authority. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. When Jesus is the Lord of your life, you are going to pray different than you prayed when you were doing your own thing. And you're going to see different results from your prayers. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 Once again, is there anyone here that would say, Pastor, I've accepted Christ. I feel that I've accepted. And if you're not a Christian, you're welcome to come. Come forward at any moment as He calls you. But I've accepted Christ as my Savior. But I can't truly say yet that He's my Lord. That I'm bowed to Him. That I'm seeking to follow what He has spoken in His Word to me. And I want His Lordship in my life. So that when I pray, I can pray with confidence according to the will of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyone, I want more of His Lordship that I might have more of His leadership in my life. Anyone, anyone else, anyone else. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you for coming. What do you need Him to do today? Yeah, well, I've been doing this for a long time, and I still need him to take over my life. I don't want to drive anymore. And I don't want to even be a backseat driver and try to tell Jesus how to do it or where to take me. I just want to sit quietly and surrender, experience his peace, and then watch his power begin to take a hold of my life And take it to a place that I would have never dreamed that he could take it. Would you stretch your hand this way? This man wants Jesus to be the Lord of his life. From this very day forward, to see the hand of God leading him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that God would be a shield about him. In his heart and in his thoughts, not just his physical being. But in his heart and in his thoughts where the confusion comes and the fears come and the agitations come and the questions come, it's such a relief and a release to just acquiesce and say, Jesus, take a hold. Jesus, take the wheel. It's a country song that still speaks about the true faith. Jesus, I can't, I can't. I can't get there in myself. I can't drive without wrecking. Jesus, take the wheel. And that's exactly what he's saying today. Jesus, take the wheel. He won't take it from you, but if you'll just scoot over, he'll grab it. Hallelujah. And if you'll stay scooted over, he won't ever let it go. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for our brother today. As he yields himself and surrenders his life to you. And and makes you the Lord of his life. Take the wheel. And Lord, show him your goodness. Show him your grace. Show him answers to prayer that will just take him back. That you're such a wonderful Messiah. Wonderful Savior. Wonderful Father in heaven. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Let him have peace tonight. Peace in his mind. And peace in his heart. And the peace of knowing that his step 
steps are now ordered of you. He's not walking around in circles. He's not lost in some wilderness, Lord. He's on a plain pathway and you're leading him as the good shepherd of his soul in Jesus Christ's name and for the glory of God. And our prayers are with you, my dear brother. Our prayers are with you. Glory to God. You know what age you are now? You're the age that Jesus was when he walked into the temple, picked up the book, and began to read and said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he hath anointed me. He began to fulfill his purpose at 30, completed it at 33. Hallelujah. You got, you got a life before you, a purpose. And the best is yet to come. And Paul said the way we get past our past, he said, forgetting. Because when it's under the blood of Jesus, it's behind us. It's gone as if it never happened. Forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth to the things that are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are highly favored and we are well defended. Can you say man? Glory to God. Grant it to my brother in the name of Jesus today. Hallelujah. We love you. We appreciate you and our prayers are with you. Let's give God praise today. Hallelujah. He did something that he wanted to do. Glory to God. Listen. Every time they picked up the Ark of the Covenant, there's a psalm that they read from. Every single time that they picked it up to move it, they began this way. Let God arise and His enemies be scattered. That's all it takes to win victory today, is to let God arise and His enemies have to be scattered. Let's give Him praise today. Hallelujah. The battle then belongs to who? It belongs to the Lord. Let's give Him praise before we leave. Did you get anything out of this today?